Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. And with that, we will jump into leveraging your community to build your brand. So our first point, put your stake in the ground and establish the actual brand. So this goes back to those three questions that Anne outlined in the intro, which again, who am I, how am I different, and why would you want me? And you really have to make sure you spend the time to answer these questions because they become the foundation of that experience and then help you get to that authenticity and consistency when you launch the brand. As a side note, we have lots of other episodes on building your brand. So if you need assistance on the how of doing it, you can go ahead and leverage those episodes. But here we want to talk about the fact that this is just the important first step so that you have something that people will want to follow and that they'll know what to expect from you. And at Fourth Rate People, we actually just recently revisited Mm -hmm. this. We had our yearly planning session. We were just talking about this before we started the episode in Scottsdale last week. And we, being, you know, two years old at this point, or almost two years old, are trying to assess that we're making the right business decisions, whether we need to tweak tweak the brand, where we have some new offerings out there. So we had to massage some of the messaging and things and make sure that we're always on point to be creating something that people understand and they know what they're getting from us. So again, the point of this point. And Mike, I know you guys worked so hard on the story of Rebel Metal. Um, I totally geeked out when I saw some of the brand work from the very beginning because you could tell that the work was done appropriately, that you really were very thoughtful about it. And so I'm sure you have lots you can say to this point. Oh, yeah. So um, building a brand is kind of exactly how I describe it when I think about it in my mind's eye. So Mm Um, so in building the brand, there also has to be like a foundation and an infrastructure. So I would say the path to the existence of the brewery opening started like 2001 in Heidelberg, Germany. Um, I I got the opportunity to live in Germany, uh, for a year for an insurance company. Awesome. And uh, I did it. I lived off of Albert Anglerstrasse in Heidelberg, Germany, and it really exposed me from being a poor college kid to, uh, individual living in Germany where you couldn't pick up Bud Light, Middle Light, Coors Light, what I was used to drinking. So I had to go. Right. So I had to go there and and kind of look at familiar names that I'd seen before and then guide myself into the beer scene of Germany. And at 21 years old, I mean, who isn't into the beer scene of wherever they're at? So I, uh, that's how this all kind of started where I initially got that spark of, um, diversity and it kind of changed my trajectory as far as my own beer drinking palate. Uh, once I came back stateside, the Rolling Rocks, the Bud Lights, the Miller Lights, they were all out and the uh, Sierra Nevadas were in, the Hefeweizens were in, you know, drinking way more imports than, than, and I would specifically go to stores that had imported beers for that. So that's kind of how this journey started. So that was back in like 2000, 2001 timeframe. Um, in 2009, I was gifted a bunch of beer brewing equipment. Wow. That's serendipitous. Yeah. Right. Uh, (laughs) the, the gentleman that gave it to me lost his flavor for brewing and he was like, you know, I've got a bunch of this old equipment. Do you want it? You can have it if you use it. And I'm like, all right. So I started essentially brewing beer on the top of my stove in my house down in Florida. So, um, (laughs) I was still active duty at the time. I joined the military right after nine 11. Um, uh, Spent 12 years active duty, and this was in 2009. Once I moved to Florida, I got this equipment and just started, like, brewing beer on the top of my stove and 
that's how it kind of started for me. So uh, it takes roughly at, at that point in time in that level in the equipment that you have, you're looking anywhere between two weeks to a month and a half as far as like when getting you can actually it. Drink right, it. right. Yeah. So I would start brewing these things and, you know, I'd plan it out to squadron functions and stuff like that. So when we were having like <laughs> a holiday party, uh-huh. I would bring, you know, some of the stuff I was brewing at home and to the squadron functions and everybody was like, wow, this is, you've got a talent for this. I'm like, all right, cool. So, um, uh, was continuing to do that uh, active duty wise until 2014. In the meantime, I was going back to school on uh, night school to finish my MBA. Um, so I'm one of those dudes that used the GI Bill and tuition mm. assistance while I was active duty and um, uh, started going back to school at night. The reason that sparked with me is I got hurt in 2010 and um, I knew my window of opportunity in the Air Force was closing. Mm. I see. So, so you needed a new path. Or I needed a new knee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that. yeah, that. yeah. Um, so um, I knew it was closed, and I was like, "All right, to make myself more marketable, I need to go get an education." And I had a, a fortuitous thing happen to me in this process. The colonel I was working for uh, came up to me one day, and he's like, "Sergeant Brown," I'm like, "Yes, Colonel, what's happened?" He's like are you going to night school for business? And I was like, yes. And he's like, you're handling the money from now on. Oh, oh wow. So that essentially made me the CFO of a small multi-million dollar corporation in the Department of Defense. Huh? What it really taught me was government contracting. Mm. So I learned as a government entity how to procure items from non-government entities. Mm. That translated into a career once I got out in 2014 to where um, – I was essentially a defense contractor and funneled equipment to Air Force Special Operations around the globe. Equipment. So (laughs) night vision devices, laser guidance systems, uh, field wearable computering devices. Nothing that went bang, but everything's supporting (laughs) the bang. (laughs) So um, did that for a number of years. I ran a team that worked across the globe. Uh, In the meantime, I was continuing to brew beer. Um, and in 2015, I think it was, it was, it was 50 West. I was having dinner at 50 West in the old 50 West Mm. and I was looking around and I'm like, why can't I do this? Mm -hmm. And I kind of knew at that point in time that I eventually wanted to be an entrepreneur. I mean, that was the progression going through it. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. Um, my father was an entrepreneur. So I kind of come from a lineage of it and I knew eventually that having my own business, or being a partner in a business was in the in the works. Speaking our language. <laughs> so in 2015, that's when I finally decided to pull the trigger and go, you know what, I am going to do this. So started with a business plan. Um, if you ever want to read yourself to sleep at night, it's 34 pages long. It, you'll knock your butt out. Um, so um, <laughs> At least you did one, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, started with the business plan, um, getting our managing members together, um, the name Rebel Metal. Um, it was right at the beginning of, so I started this project in November of 2015. It took me to about March of 2016 to have the business plan done. Mm -hmm. took me about six, seven Mm -hmm. months to write it. Um, getting the approvals. The next process was the operating agreement between the managing members Mm -hmm. and putting forth what we were going to need as far as investors were concerned. Um, and then the name finally came up. You know, we were obviously tossing around ideas the mm-hmm. entire time, you know, like, what are we going to call this thing? And 
you know, with my day job, I got the opportunity to go to Tucson for uh, a meeting with a bunch of my Air Force guys that I served with. And uh, right before that, I had a birthday and my mom gave me a handwritten birthday card that said, um, you've always been a rebel and you've always marched to your own drum. Mm. So oh, interesting. it was and we're proud of you. So that was, was kind of like stuck head. in my head. And I went to this meeting and um, dude named Paul Kester comes walking up to me. and He's like, hey, man, you remember flying in and out of Fallujah? I'm like. Yeah, in Tecatum. He's like, yeah. He's like, that really tested your metal, didn't it? I was like, yeah. Ah. <laughs> and so I had that in my mind, and I was on the airplane ride on the way back from Tucson to Cincinnati, and um, it hit me. The The two terms kind of melded together, and I called uh, Dwayne and Greg up, and I'm like, what do you think? They're like, that sounds really cool. Uh-huh. So th- then we had a name, right? Yeah. And then it came to, all right, tone, look, and feel of Rebel Metal. Mm-hmm. If you go back to the original, original stuff, it was done by me, and let me just say my artistic abilities. I've seen kindergartners with better work. Um, <laughs> That's I, what April thinks about mine too. So exactly. it's okay. So it's okay. Um, there, you know, I I had an idea in my mind's eye what I wanted the brand to look like, like a rugged sophistication. So we had the name. I started doing the original kind of tone, look, and feel, kind of putting our story out there on on social media platforms. Like this is what we're planning on doing. You know. I will say something about that is, you know, you've got two trains of, or two, you know, theories on this. One is don't tell anybody what you're doing because they'll drag you down yeah. <laughs> or put out what you're going to do because it keeps you accountable. And so I kind of favored more towards it keeps you accountable. Right. So this was a five year process. Mm-hmm. So and everybody tells me they're like, how do you, how did you do it? It's like you don't give up. But anyways, I would put out things publicly because it would keep me accountable. That's and learn, yeah. and so I was learning kind of the market of Cincinnati at that point in time, as far as the craft beer world is concerned and the level of excitement. Um, and then we got another lucky break, so to speak. Um, as we were looking for people to become part of Rebel Metal as far as uh, an investor, um, we linked up with a young lady by the name of Sherwin McVeigh out of Hyperquake who up until that point in time, I kind of knew in my mind's eye that the look that I mm-hmm. wanted, mm-hmm. that we wanted, um, but it was very difficult for me to put it into, you know, the, the actual media. This is why I quit designing as well. Or, I could see it, but not do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was more, I mean, bad. Um, so, like, people are like, that looks like the MTV logo. It is the MTV logo. <laughs> you, remember, you remember the astronaut? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, yes. it, same dude. <laughs> so... Um, so I relied heavily on other people. Uh, anyways, uh, stood on the shoulder of giants. <laughs> so got lucky meeting Sherwood. Up until that point in time, we were looking for companies that were going to help us put what we had in our mind's eye on paper mm-hmm. into media. And uh, up until that point, you know, we would go to people that said they were marketing companies, but all they were focusing on is search engine optimization right. and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it was like, that's not what we're looking yeah, for. We creative arm. Right. We need you know, to come together like Voltron and put this on paper and, and give it a look. Sherwood was like, you need to come down and meet our team. Um, so I had the expectation going into this meeting that Rebel Metal was going to pay them money and they were going to do our marketing for mm-hmm. us. Well, got in front of them. They were interviewing us just as much as we were interviewing them. And I got a call uh, uh, not far along after that when I was on my way home that was like, can you come back in? And yeah, it was the president of the company. He's like, everybody unanimous, unanimously decided to do your project. I was like, okay. Wow. He's like, that's never happened. Come back in. I'm like, Colin, okay, no problem. Colin, by the way, Crotty, if you're listening to this, you're 
pretty awesome dude. <laughs> um, we came back and he, uh, him and Dan, um, both, Dan, you're an awesome dude too, um, were uh, both like, hey, how about we like become part of Rebel Metal and we will do your marketing for uh, a big, pretty big discount. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. yes. Um, it didn't take long after that to get the rest of our investors. So mm-hmm. that really kind of catapulted us. Yeah. Uh, from that point in time, I went into um, financing. So we had enough for an SBA down payment mm-hmm. on an SBA 7A loan. And that's the model that we took. Uh, we hired a brokerage firm. They went out and found a boat, uh, bank for us. We started that pro. That took two years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Those banks. And it, and it was, you know, like a lot of prodding on my end, so to speak. But at the same time, I was also doing my day job, which yeah. was keeping me very busy. If it was just the brewery at that point in time, it, it would have been faster. slow rolling. Yeah. Waiting forever. So, um, but eventually it got to the point where, you know, two emails a week turned to four emails an hour towards the end of it, you know, <laughs> you know, and hurry up and wait to, it actually starts happening. That happened. As soon as that happened, this was like a week before the steel tariffs got put on China. We ordered all of our equipment. So we oh, were wow. able to purchase all of our equipment, like for about 25% less because yep. the tariffs were going to hit like literally the next week. So we got financed immediately started ordering equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, Unfortunately, all stainless steel right now, uh, not I say all, but 95% of it comes from China. Um, so we had to wait almost a year to oh get God, our equipment. Yep, yep, absolutely. It was it was 11 months and like 20 days. It took me a year to get my couch too, if that makes you feel any <laughs> <laughs> So in the meantime, um, our original goal was to go into the Cliffside building, which Dwayne, one of our managing members, owns. And... Um, it's like the oldest, most structurally complete pre-prohibition brewery building in, in Cincinnati, right? Oh. It's old. It's 1877, I think, oh. is when it was completed, and uh, the Sawn Brewery operated out of it, mm. and then Cliffside operated. Oh, yeah, operated, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So that was the original goal, but it was such a huge project, and the state really, like, at the end of it was like, yeah, we'll work with you, and then at the end of it, they're like, eh. Yeah. We've got other Too much. fish to fry, so yeah. to speak. Um, so that kind of derailed that. So we started looking for a place to call home, and that's where 412 Central came into play. Um, our architect, uh, Ron Novak from Drawing Department, was like, I've got a converted parking garage downtown that I think you need to look at. And I was like, <laughs> all right. So I went down there and looked at it, and I was like, you know what? This has got a lot of the check marks that we need, mm-hmm. square footage-wise, uh, infrastructure-wise, the lift obviously being part of that, mm-hmm. Christine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a different story um so got into the building started signing all the documents to do the lease the construction all that good stuff yep. uh started bidding out construction companies we bid out three construction companies through um js held mm-hmm. they were our project managers uh which helped me out significantly yeah. um can't do that so that's yourself. you know you can't do it all and that's you know the overall thesis that i have in everything that we're going to talk about today is it takes a village for sure yeah yep. um so uh Bid out to three construction companies. We got the one that won. They came in, started doing um, <laughs> construction. Three months later, COVID hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody came to my house that afternoon. And it was like, what do we do? And I'm like, good question. Uh, so I sat on it for about 24 hours and I was like, you know what? My gut is because there's no way to read the tea leaves. There's no, no metrics right? behind this. No. I can't research anything like this. It's unprecedented. So, um, I just went with my gut and my gut told me to keep going. Yep. So that's kind of the 
the I story, mean, and we opened up September 12th of 2020. Yep. And uh, right during that time, our daily case count in Ohio was like 3,500 cases. In December, it spiked at 7,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, yeah, dude. Welcome to Business me. Ownership 101. You know, <laughs> so uh, advice for anybody out there uh, don't open a business during a global pandemic. You'll give yourself an ulcer. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen it happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that moves us nicely to our next point, which is create an experience your community is looking for. And this is really one of the, my favorite things about you guys. And I mean, yes, some of it is the manifestation of historic West 4th District in total and all the things that we have seen happen there. But I think when you guys came in, it really added new life to that area and made more of a destination for it. Um, and so I think when you talk about getting all your materials together and your brand and all of that, I mean, like I said, I totally geeked out when I saw a lot of your stuff in the beginning because you could tell that it was done with intention. And I think it's not just the logos and the colors and the materials and all of that, even though, as you talked about, Mike, it's, you know, a lot to get that right. And what's the name and what does it look like? And, you know, all of those types of things. But then once you do that, you have to create it on all of the things, but then also create the environment around that intention as well. And so I think you guys did a really nice job. And I mean, it shows that you worked with an agency that does this for a living because obviously they get you things like brand standards and they educate you on how all of this is supposed to work. But I also think that the experience of both being inside the brewery, but then the extension of it into the community has been something really awesome for us to watch and for us to see. For one thing, we obviously wanted something, you know, a lot of us collectively in that area where we could pop in as neighbors and be welcome no matter who we are and be able to, you know, for us take our kids over there, you know, really have a spot. But then even outside of that, I think that you've done a really good job of expanding very quickly beyond that, of embracing all of us and actively being a part of it, but then having groups like, you know, we've seen bike groups come in and drop their bikes or bike as in motorcycle groups come in or veteran groups come in. And so you really start to get a flavor of what your intention is. And it feels very intentional that you're bringing these groups together. And one of my very favorite things about the place, and then I'll shut up and let you talk some more, um, well, two actually is one. I heard one of your bartenders one day say we're the land of misfit toys. And I freaking <laughs> loved that. It's pretty good personification. And it really, I mean, it really is, yeah. right? But I think that that personality is so different from so many of the other breweries. And you do have an eclectic crew, but they all are so kind and welcoming when people come in. And their quirky personalities are what make people want to talk to them, be a part of it, all of that. And then also the sign, um, up at the ceiling when you come in where it says all are welcome. I think that really speaks to to just what everybody exudes because we can walk in there on any given day and the personality of the place can shift with the people that are there, mm -hmm. but the overall feeling of the experience is still the same. So very we do have a very eclectic group of clientele that that come in mm -hmm. and uh well let me, let me uh, backtrack a couple things. You, you mentioned a couple things, you know, um the foundation, when we first opened up, I spent probably 120 hours a week inside of the brewery. And a lot of it had to do with, we had already established the look up at that point. By the way, our archetype for our marketing is a combination of Fred Flintstone and Han Solo. That's, 
that's where we landed. <laughs> so I love I love that you did archetypes. That's so awesome. So that was our archetype, and you know, <laughs> I I think I kind of lean more on the Han Solo side, yeah, but you uh, um, you know, so if you can like that is combine that in your in your mind, that's kind of uh-huh. where we're at, and I I do think we have followed that yes. you know uh mm-hmm. that kind of uh visualization in the shop and kind of in our personality and yeah. that's where i'm going to go into is the the foundation of personality as in an organization i found it important to have a personality yeah mm-hmm. and that personality to me was polite yes courteous and welcoming mm-hmm. and so th- speaking of spending 120 hours a week there you know um that's the atmosphere that I wanted to create for my interaction with our clientele, but it's also the foundation that I wanted to lie for our organization to our clientele mm-hmm. as being friendly, easy to work with, courteous, and, you know, like come in and have a good time. Yep. And beer to me is one of those things where it's like every walk of life. If you're sitting down having a beer together, it's awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's one common shared bond between everybody that I absolutely love. And then mm-hmm. you can com- combine that with our our tone, look and feel um, the brew house itself. I mean, who doesn't like motorcycles and, and yeah. car engines and stuff like that? It's, you know, it's kind of <laughs> equally applicable. So um, Sam takes a peek inside that that uh, elevator every single time. Oh, What's Mike got in here today? Oh, uh, yeah. There's usually <laughs> something in there for sure. So. The West 4th Street, you know, going – the decision to go into West 4th, by the way, was super easy. Um, there was a, a dude by the name of Andrew Nab. Uh, Andrew, if you're listening, you're awesome as well. Um, <laughs> got a whole list of awesome. Yeah. Um, All the thank – his version of thank you. You know, going through this entire process, I can't think of one person that we actually, like, rubbed the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Throughout the entire process, I think it was pretty, like, homogenized, even keel, you know, throughout the entire that. process. Nobody really got worked up around. There, there were oh crap days, mm, you know, sure. COVID yeah. being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for the most part, nobody got rubbed raw, which was nice. Um, but um, Andrew was kind of really instrumental in in doing this historic West Fourth uh, designation and having the city of Cincinnati um, uh, designate October Fourth as Historic West Fourth Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the plaque still in my office. Andrew included me into all that and 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 made us kind of like a, an anchor in that community, kind of like upstart, so to speak. So he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Yep. And that really gave us one, a side of a sense of pride in the community right there. Mm-hmm. But just being part of, you know, Cincinnati itself, yep. you know, the history of Cincinnati. So very excited about that. Um, so that really helped. And then throughout the year and a half long construction process, the managing members, uh, Greg and I, um, Josh Deitner, our director of brewing, and Jonas, our quality control director, started working full time as construction workers. Yeah. Oh. Hopefully, we, you know what you're doing. <laughs> we saved a tremendous amount of money I doing believe it, it because we did a lot of self help projects. But what it also allowed us to do is be in the community, even though none of us live there. Yeah. Be in the community all the time, right? Yeah. So we started meeting our neighbors as we were building up. Mm-hmm. And you know, I couldn't tell you how many times, you know, I'm, I'm literally covered in, in filth, you know, from like grinding concrete or something like that and walk outside and somebody's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, we're putting in a brewery. Oh, cool. Can I check it out? Sure. <laughs> so, so it, it started, it started giving us some ownership of, um, 
uh, of our space inside the community and feeling like part of the community instantly. It's hard to have an environment where you can only have one group of people, you know, being yep. downtown, you know, we've got such a great space and such a diverse space. And that's so I'll be honest with you. This whole project started off with beer for me, but it very quickly turned out to be the people mm-hmm. I have got to meet cool people from every walk of life from all around the world inside of the shop. Uh, you know, it's fantastic. I'm mm-hmm. not going to mention any names, but like m- movie. But they're all awesome. Yeah. They're m- even movie level people, right? Yeah. Have come in yeah. there and had a beer yeah. and, you know, you strike up a conversation with them and it's like, wow, that's mm-hmm. cool. You yeah. know, so very quickly turned into the people. And we do try to cater to just a huge group of, of folks uh, with our events that we have there. Um, uh, the the like you said, the motorcycles, the veteran groups, we've had community and civic leaders in there. Um, it's it's just been really awesome. And that's my favorite part of it by far. Absolutely. And I think the strong overreaching reason why we are who we are is the people. That's what we love. But I think it's important to, to reinforce the point that you do that still in the vein of the personality of the brewery. Mm-hmm. Like, so even though it's like all welcoming for, for everybody, there's still a vibe that differentiates from other breweries in the area, which is the important part of, you know, who am I? You know, how and, and why do you want me in and how am I different? You know, so those those two pieces, especially those latter two pieces, really help to make it a place that somebody's like, you know, on a you know, a regular night saying like, yeah, where do I want to go? Where do I want to go hang? It's like, yeah, I know where I want to go because they, they crave that vibe. They want to be part of that vibe. So it's it's very interesting that you're able to do that in a way that is still very unique to you because a lot of people would say, well, if I want to, you know, cater to all these people, I kind of have to like dumb it down. Mm-hmm. Or I have to make it kind of bland so that everybody feels like that, you know, you're not alienating anybody versus, sure. you know, you're trying to connect with people in, in that way. And you want them to feel like, hey, this is for you kind of thing. So I would say our space definitely has a, you know, a warehouse garage type feel to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is not bland by any means. It's different for sure. And our space is totally different, mm-hmm. especially how we've got the the second story cut out. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't I don't see that a lot. Um, where I think we are able to make the common denominator, so to speak, is our politeness and our people. Totally. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's how we kind of like, we may focus a little bit more on that warehouse look, which may be a little bit different than what other people have. But I think our people by far are the, the number one driver of being able to like have such a great welcoming space. Mm-hmm. It's not the space mm-hmm. itself. Granted, yeah. it's a house, right? We made it a home. Yeah. Right. But it's, exactly. it, but it's the occupants that make it. Yes. That's the whole thing that makes the experience, right? For sure. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.